How many's had a good New Year so far? Amen. How many of you? How many of you? Um, you have been tempted. I mean, we're only six days in. But how many of you have been tempted in some way this year? May I see your hand? What are you, a bunch of saints? I only saw about 20% of the hands go up. I know the rest of you are not that godly. If you don't hit head on with the devil at least every day, you ain't living right. That's just plain old yard talk right there. You're going to hit him head on. Well, we're going to take a look at Daniel, the sixth chapter. Yesterday, I was headed over to the church. We had a wedding at 1030, about, I don't know, 1010. Came out of our neighborhood. Sharon's with me. We rounded the curve and um, doing really, really well, paying attention. And uh, looked up and saw a sand crane, one of those. Now, this is my opinion, okay? Don't send me an email if you like them. They think they own the road. They take their ever-loving time to get across the road as if they are invincible. They have never met an Escalade, apparently. (laughs) But crossing the road, I looked up. On the other lane, coming in the other direction, almost stopped. We were crossing from this side to this side. I was in this lane. Lady was this lane. And by the time I saw the sand crane, I had to slam on brakes pretty hard. Didn't, you know, scrape the tires and do all that stuff. Didn't have to swerve. I I wouldn't have, anyway, I won't say that. (laughs) But it just uh, was bad. Sharon, of course, screamed, what in the world's going on? I said, the sand crane, you know, we didn't, we didn't even come, come close to hitting the sand crane. But I looked, and the lady in the car um, was almost stopped, I guess. Her eyes were about this big. Um, I'd laid down on the horn. That's yard talk. You put your hand on it, and you held it. Laid down, that's what that means. And the sand crane finally picked the pace up a little bit, flapped the wings, and got on across the highway. But something in me, because when I saw the lady come in the other direction, she didn't have her hands on the steering wheel. She had both hands in the air. She was not praising the Lord. She was doing sign language to me. And I mean, it wasn't just one. It was a whole flock that she was sending my way. I looked at her, her eyes big. I thought to myself, what in the world is wrong with you? What did I do to you? What would cause you to put that kind of sign language out here to me? Is there something wrong with you? And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm confessing to you right now, something in me, I mean, just in me, because the sand grain got in the way and I went on and I'm just, I'm, I'm just shaking and Sharon reached over and put her hand on my arm She said, you better settle down. What did I want to do? Here's what I wanted to do. I'm just going to tell you just like it is. I wanted to turn my car around. I wanted to go back to wherever she went. I wanted to find her. Are you all with me? I didn't want to drag her out of the car. I thought about it. 
Somebody said, you're the preacher. You're not supposed to have those thoughts. I wanted to ask her one question. Have you lost your ever-loving mind? Why would you do that to me? I did nothing to you. Your eyes got that big, and you shoot me a whole flock of birds. You better be glad I'm more sanctified than you are. That's what I wanted to do. Took me two minutes to get it, but I didn't turn around. I just kept going. Aren't you proud of me? I kept going, but I'm telling you, I wanted to. I really did. I thought somebody could have had sand crane soup for dinner that night, but I, I didn't. I thought, I don't want to mess up my car over that bird. The point is, that moment in time, all, all the human nature, well, a little bit of the human nature in me, wanted to rise up. Somebody said, well, what, Sharon said, well, what would you have done if you'd have went back and found her? I thought to myself, I'd have got to her car, went to her car and said, lady, now listen, lady, if you're here this morning or you're watching online, I would like to talk to you after church today, okay? Just want you to know that. You know, I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I do. I love you. But I would have walked up and said, have you lost your ever-loving mind? Your eyes were big as saucers. You shoot me a flock of unregistered birds. Hello? Shoot me a flock like that? You know what I ought to do? I ought to drag you out of that car and talk to you in Jesus' name. Sharon said, what then? I said, if she had been on the phone, I'd have waited. She got on the phone. Oh, that's right. Who would she been on the phone with? Probably Grady. But about five minutes later, Grady's boys would have came by and said, are you, are you coming against this woman? I know she did. Here's what she did. Sir, put your hands behind your back. By the way, do you have a driver's license? Oh, you're Reverend Blackburn. Yeah, we're going to put you in the tank. But I saved myself some embarrassment. But I'm telling you that no matter who you are, you're going to have those moments when righteous indignation is going to come up in you. Amen? It will. And you've got to be able to say, God, how do, I, how do I manage through this? Now, that being said, I'll get back to that a little bit later because that is not the end of the story. I could tell you I went down to Walmart and met her, but I didn't. Victory Church has several things that are critical. I have a divine order from God as pastor to give you spiritual food every time I get up here by the grace of God and whomever may preach from this pulpit. Amen. Buried in this concrete when we built this building and moved in around late 99 and early 2000 is a Bible. And that Bible is buried right here where I stand I know that you say, well, it's just symbolic, something that I wanted to do. And people signed it or unlined scriptures throughout that Bible. We let people write in, underline favorite scriptures, etc. But to be upon the Word of God and do everything that we can. The culture is getting worse and worse. 
Sin is becoming more and more rampant, and they make no excuses of it. Have you noticed that? No excuses of it. And we understand in preaching the Word of God, there are several foundations for us. One, that's the power of prayer. Prayer is the communication link with God. If you're going to talk to God, i got to tell you, you got to pray. Prayer is that communication. If you have a relationship and there is no communication, you are have a relationship that is in trouble. If you're in business and you have no communication with your partners, you are in trouble. Or your clients, you are in some trouble. Communication is an important element. Reading the Word of God, getting in the Word of God. You see the Bible plan. We have an app that we've revealed to you. Getting in that Word because those two things, of course, will give you the energy, give you the strength to cause you to enable to make a right decision under pressure, as I mentioned to you just a moment ago. But we're going to talk about prayer, three prayers in the next couple weeks. Today we begin Some people ask me, well, what should I say when I pray? I've had individuals say, I don't even know how to pray. Well, do I pray to the Father or do I pray to to the Son or do I pray to the Holy Spirit? Another said, well, what's my posture? What should my posture be when I pray? And how disciplined should I be about prayer? And should I have a certain time during the day that I pray or should I pray or should I just be loose about it? I just go around praying all the time and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the answer may be to some degree, all of the above, all of the above. Daniel's the best example that we have to talk about prayer this morning. And I know that he's been around a long, long time. Daniel, at the place of our text, and I'm going to read in a moment, has some very serious accusations leveled against him, of which he is guilty of. He's made a disciplined commitment to God and to pray. And here's our text, Daniel 6, 5. Finally, these men said, those are his enemies, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. At the time of this text, Daniel 6, 5, Daniel is 85 years of age. 85 years of age. When he was a teenager, maybe a young college student, he was kidnapped, taken away from his homeland, he and some of his buddies, and taken into the Babylonian Empire. And he was there to serve. And at that stage of being a young man, he, of course, could have looked and thought, what happened to you, Jehovah God? How is it that I'm kidnapped as a slave to take it into a, to a culture that I don't know anything about where you are not honored and their God is foreign to anything that I've ever known? Instead of being led by his circumstance, instead of saying, woe is me, instead of rehearsing what's happened in the past, instead of rehearsing what he may have missed, he made this decision. I'm going to drill down. I'm going to stay committed to Jesus. I'm going to stay on the straight and narrow, and I'm going to do everything that I can to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ or of God in his case. Or he could have said, okay, I'll just do what I have to do to get by God. You know, I'll curtsy to you a little bit, let you know that I love you, but I'm still angry at you. And then his spiritual life hit a place of what is considered to be status quo. Listen to me, status quo relationship with Jesus will eventually get you in trouble. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Be passionate about him and your relationship. Can you imagine the value of his relationship 
in a secular world in the marketplace today? I mean, all of us out there in the secular world, in the marketplace, do you know the language you have to listen to? Do you know the lies? Do you know all the stories and things that you see? And it's all about old number one of how difficult it is to nail down your relationship with God and live it in a way that brings pleasure to God. I can tell you, far too many people professing Christians do not do that. But Daniel made the commitment, buddy, this is not going to shake my world. I'm going to be faithful to God. God, you understand where I'm at. You know where I'm at. So when he was given an assignment, he did it to the best of his ability. He showed up to work early. He left work late. He did everything that he could to stand strong. And those in authority over him noticed him. It caused him to go over into the political arena where he had more responsibility and worked even harder at that point in time. And it was along that individuals in leadership with authority began to notice and say, that Hebrew boy, that Hebrew boy, buddy, he worked circles around these guys here from Babylon. It's unbelievable. He worked hard and he stayed true to his relationship with God. Now at 85, a new king comes into leadership. Now you remember, I call him Neb, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar to begin with, when he started the Babylonian empire, he was really committed. He uh, was, uh, was living, of course, and honoring Jehovah God. But over a period of time, culture got to him. Over a period of time, his position got to him. Over a period of time, he began to celebrate other gods. Over a period of time, he gave up his passion. And before you know it, here's what I, God dealt with him. Daniel tried to help him. God dealt with him in a way that he was no better than out in the pasture with the animals eating grass and, and things of that nature with a crazed mind. And God said, if that's what you want, I'll show you what your life will be if you think you don't need me. Well, of course, he had a son. You know the son. His son was Belshazzar. Belshazzar came along. He thought, well, I remember Daniel. He knows Daniel. But Belshazzar takes the leadership, the reign, etc. Same thing happened to them. Same thing happened to him as happened to his father. I read the other day that what you do in front of your children and your family in moderation, your children will do in excess. Let me say it again. What you do in moderation, your children will do it in excess. Think about that. Think about every action. Think about the decision. Think about your church attendance. Think about your prayer life. Think about, think about your Bible reading. Think about those things. But also think about the times when you tip the bottle, think about the times when you curse. Think about the times when you're unfaithful to God and the church. Think about all those times. What are you doing in moderation? They'll do it in excess. And so that's what happened because Nebuchadnezzar gave a bad example. Belshazzar comes along. He does the same thing. And one time when they were having a party because he said, okay, I'll tell you what, I'm feeling pretty good about who I am. They had uh, taken the uh, golden goblets from Jerusalem. He said to his cupbearers, go get those golden goblets we got in Jerusalem. Bring them in here, and we're going to have us a wine-tasting party. Well, here they go. They take those golden goblets, which was dedicated to the tabernacle of God, and they begin to drink out of them. Don't mess with God's stuff, friend. 
And when they did, they saw a hand, and that hand wrote handwriting on the wall. Scared him to death. That would scare me. Scared him to death. He called in his prophecy people, called in those that are supposed to interpret dreams, and they couldn't understand the handwriting. They couldn't do it. He, he became nervous. He had to begin to take medication. He wasn't sleeping. He's upset because he thought, hey, I know what happened to my daddy. My Lord, and that handwriting is supernaturally written there. And what does he do? He does checks with everybody that he knows in his kingdom. Help me. And his wife came to him and said, chill out. There's one man you remember your dad dealt with. His name is Daniel. He's a Hebrew. Said he helped interpret dreams. Have you forgotten about him? Yeah, man, I sure have. Well, call him in. He called Daniel in. Daniel took a look at the three words that were there. And here's what it spelled for Belshazzar. You had a great opportunity. You had a great kingdom. You had a great privilege. You had great favor. But it wasn't long that you began to allow culture and a lack of commitment to God Jehovah. You thought you could mix it in just like your dad with other gods and that would be okay. And compromise and compromise hit you. But here's what's going to happen to you. You're going to die and you're going to lose your kingdom. And that's exactly what is going to happen. He died. Another king comes into the place. His name is Darius. Darius, it says Darius the Mede. Darius, of course, became king. He was a new king. He began to interview present staff members. He said, I don't like you. I don't like you, but I like you, and I like you. But he'd heard of Daniel. He knew of Daniel, said, I'm going to keep you. And here's what the Bible says. It said he intended to put Daniel second in command of his kingdom. But he couldn't do it in one fell swoop. Well, here's what the deal was. He said, I'll get three of the sand traps, and I'll, I'll establish three of those individuals. And Daniel, you're going to be one. The other two were so jealous and so angry. Listen to me. If you're really living for Jesus, don't expect the world to like you. And if you're trying to walk the fence, you want favor with the ungodly culture and you want favor with God, give it up, friend. You can't have favor with both. Somebody said, well, I don't believe that. The Bible said he had favor with all men. You know exactly what I'm talking about. We don't go out of our way to encroach upon bad culture. We want to live the light of Jesus Christ, but we don't want to sacrifice our commitment to God just so we can please somebody else out there that's ungodly. Y'all with me? Those enemies of Daniel were jealous and said this should not be. They began to dig deep. They thought he's been in leadership under Belshazzar. He's been in leadership. Check every document he's ever signed. Check every deal that he's ever made and see if he got anything under the table. Check every letter that he's ever written and see if he harmed somebody or was prejudiced against someone. And the real reality is after doing all that checking with Google and everybody else, Daniel 6 verse 4, but they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt or negligent. That meant he did everything he was supposed to do that brought pleasure to God. How are we doing with that? 
How are we doing with that? And they went on to say in verse number five, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Former President Jimmy Carter, before he got into the political arena, he owned a thriving business there in Georgia and South Georgia. And someone walked up to him one time in his business office, et cetera, and said, hey, uh, hey, Mr. Carter, um, let me ask you this question. And here's the question. He said, if you were ever indicted for being a Christ follower, would there be enough evidence to convict you? He said, that sobered me up, Jimmy Carter said. It rocked my world. He said, I was faithful to my local church. I taught Sunday school. I was engaged there in that local church, but out in the public in my business, I kind of kept, kept my relationship with Jesus hid. I, I didn't say, let me pray for you. I, I didn't show my Christianity. He said, it rocked my world. And when I realized, no, there wouldn't be enough evidence. By the peers in this community, there wouldn't be enough evidence to convict me if I were indicted because of the fruits of the Spirit in my own life. And he said, I decided to make an entire new set of commitments in my business, in my private life, in my church, and wherever God may lead me, I intended that people know who's number one in my life. Those trying to accuse Daniel had mountains of evidence that he was a person of faith. We can find nothing, nothing, nothing hid. And so Daniel 6, verse 7, they, of course, went to the king and they said, we got to do something. Here we go. King, may it be to the, anyone who prays to any God or man other than you for the next 30 days shall be thrown into the den of lions. And being thrown in there was the death penalty. They wanted to deal with him once and for all. They went to the king, of course, and said, hey, here's a document. You're new king here. We want to show you that we honor you. And they went to him and said, here it is. For 30 days, anybody bows, they bow before you. They don't pray to another God. They pray to you. How do you feel? Carnal nature came up in the king's heart, Darius's heart, and he said, okay, I'll sign it. And he signed it. And when he did, it meant an immediate indictment against Daniel. You know the story. And so they set a trap for Daniel. They didn't have to worry about what he was going to do. They knew that three times a day, if they went out to where his house was, that he's going to be found praying three times a day. Just before he opened for prayer that day. Someone went to Daniel and said, Daniel, you know that the king just signed a new decree. And uh, anybody that prays to any other God, like the one you pray to and not the king, you're going to be thrown in the lion's den. You need to find somewhere else to pray. You need to chill for the next 30 days. You need to walk the line of compromise. He had several options. Here's what he could do. Hey, God, I think I'll skip prayer for the next 30 days. You understand what I'm under here. I think I'm valuable to the administration here of this new king, and I need to be in place. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to kind of skip prayer. But, Lord, here's what I'll do. I'll, I'll compromise. I'll just kind of walk through the streets and kind of whisper a prayer in my heart, but not be so open as I 
do now, practicing three times a day with the windows open toward Jerusalem and praying really, really loud. Or, or God, you know, maybe I go down to the basement. I've got a, I've got a, a, a sofa down there, just so you know that sofa is lawn talk, couch is yard talk. How many understand? Same piece of furniture, but you say, I want to go over there to the couch. That's just good old yard talk. Well, I want to go over to sit on the sofa. Difference. Bury my face in the pillows. I can pray as loud as I want to and say, Oh, God, I'm praying Jesus. Oh, God, you move in a great way. Oh, God, oh, God, I'm praying Jesus. Oh, Lord, Jesus. I just remembered I have a ball spot right there. <laughs> Anybody join me? My hair is not retreating. It's in full retreat. <clears throat> Those are his options. You have options. How do you feel about your prayer life? How do you feel about your commitment to Jesus? Well, it doesn't have to be perfect. You're going to be tempted. It doesn't have to be. He's not saying, okay, I want you to be perfect. He just said, I want you to be committed. I want you to walk the journey. I don't want you to be ashamed of me. I don't want you to become filled with anxiety. I don't want you to get to the place that you're just status quo. I don't want you to be lukewarm. I want you to be totally committed to me. That's what I want you to do. And I know you're going to slip up and fall. Occasionally a sand crane is going to cross in front of your vehicle. And you're going to feel the energy and all the tension and all that that goes with it. But listen to me. What I want you to do is pick up and, and move on. And in this case, Daniel, of course, said, no. I have made my commitments and God has been true to me the whole time. I only have one option. And it's the option of doing what I know I need to do in my heart. And so he got down, he opened the windows toward Jerusalem, and he prayed three times a day. And the minute that they heard him pray, they ran immediately to old King Darius and say, you know the decree that you went? Yeah, the decree that you signed? Yeah. Well, I want you to know we have a violator. The camera at the intersection caught him. And here it is. Daniel 6.10, Daniel went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees and he prayed just as he had always done before always done before don't you appreciate a person like that don't you appreciate a person who's true to their faith and true to God and true to their testimony don't you appreciate that don't you appreciate someone who's willing to say I'm sorry I blew it please forgive me don't you appreciate a person that says you know what I don't, I don't want to go in that path. I want, to, I want to stay here. And Darius said, well, who is it? He said, it's your buddy Daniel. And the Bible says in Daniel 6, 14, the king was greatly distressed. He determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Daniel was the guy the king was going to promote to prime minister. What do I do now? And all day long he tried. But the decree was, if he violates, he goes in the lion's den that night. King Darius is singing, what a waste. 
What did Daniel have to stand on? This. It was his absolute commitment to please God and not cave to compromise. And regardless if it meant death, to say, God, I intend to stand true to you. The enemy's not afraid of the church. Do you know that? The church is too quickly caving in to culture. But can I tell you something, sir? Sin revival. Let me tell you, you know what your foremost prayer needs to be? God, revive me. Amen? Revive me. Do something in me. Shake me up. Make my liver quiver. Do something in me that brings a fresh anointing of fire. Don't point your finger. Don't compromise. Say, God, it's me standing in the need of prayer. Don't shoot at somebody else. Don't judge them. Just say, God, it's me. I need a new touch. And God, if, if I have you, my love is far greater than the pull of the power of resistance. Can somebody say amen? So we're talking about prayer this morning. Is it possible for those of us listening today to have the ability to have that kind of commitment? To say, I could take that route. I could exercise that option, but I'm not going to do that. I believe it is possible. Two things happen. Daniel, of course, went into the pit, came out unscathed. When he was lifted out, there's no wound found on him. Oh, they did say that they found sleep in his eyes. But when they pulled him out of the pit, he was unscathed. And the king Darius said, first thing, where are your enemies at? We're the ones that set the trap. Tell them to go get their family. Go get the kids. We're going to throw them all in the lion's den. And he did. That sent a sure signal. Then this is what he said. Daniel 6, verse 26. Daniel's God is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and saves. He performs signs and wonders. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. You know what Darius is saying, the old king? Hey, Daniel's the only God who answers prayer. Daniel's the only God that'll protect you. Daniel's the only God that stands strong. Daniel is the only God, period. Amen. Honor him. That's what happened. That's what happened in the strong commitment. The question is, should those who are serious Christ followers establish a, spe a specific prayer routine? And let me talk to you about that. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm just confess this, okay? Try this on for size. Sometimes when I pray, in the times that I pray, so I get on my knees and, you know, and talk to God, and I think, all right, Lord, and I, I, and I, 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 I look at my watch. I'm a watch person. I, I know what time it is, though some of you might not think I do when I'm preaching sometime, but I know, I know exactly what time it is right now. I have one here, and I have one up there. But I'll be praying, and I'll look at my watch and think, man, I know I've been praying 10 minutes. And I, I prayed a minute and a half. I mean, know what I'm talking about. But in that minute and a half, I'm thinking, my Lord, minute and a half. I thought I'd been here 10 minutes. And my mind begins to wonder, how about yours? I begin to think about the schedule. I begin to think about the people I got to deal with. I begin to think about what's going on that day. I begin to think about what somebody did yesterday or said. I begin to think about a woman who had it almost in any way, sand crane, all that. Think about that. Say, God help me. 
You know what I'm there to do? I'm saying, God, I got you on a leash here. Do you have any idea what it's like, what it would be like for you to get in to see the President of the United States? Do you think you have a fair chance to get in his office? I doubt it. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords said, you're welcome anytime. If you'll take a moment. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Think about having a particular time during the day, 10 minutes. I'm not saying, well, I got to do it at 7.05. Well, that means I got to get up sometime during the day that you have this, this time's God's. And then when you do that time, you just, uh, you say, hey, God, I want you to talk to me. You see, here's, here's what the Bible says as it relates to finding that place to pray. And it's found in Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6. It says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in heaven. Do you know there's some prayers that when you get just alone and say, I'm in the room by myself, it's just God and me. Uh, God, I need to confess my sins. Say, well, I pray in my car, it's just God and me. No, it's not. It's not God and you. It's God and whoever else is on the highway. It's God and whatever else going through your mind. It's not just God and you. When you settle down in that place where the Bible says Jesus taught, get you a place that's dedicated. God, I need to confess the sin here. I need, I've, I've, I've failed here. I need you to talk to me. I need to ask you forgiveness. Or God, I need direction. I need you to tell me which way to go. I've got a decision here. Now, I'll be back here during our time, but I sure wish you'd speak to me. See? And then you said, well, what about praying on the go? That's good. Pray on the go. I do. I pray a lot on the go in the car, walking down the hallways, etc. But I have that time that said, God, this is your time. And then there are other times that say, God, the weight of this problem, because I cannot see an answer. A lady said to me the other day, if you don't fix our marriage, we're going to wind up in divorce and we've got children. If you don't give us the answer, you can say, hey, I'm not the one that's going to fix your marriage. And I'm not. But you still feel the weight of that to say, God, help them. Help them in Jesus' name. What I'm asking you to do during this time of fasting and prayer, find that place. God, I desperately need to talk to you. That's important. And then let me just get to this place in the message. Daniel prayed three times a day. But you know what? He may have started out praying once. May have started out praying, okay, twice a day. Might have started praying, you know, three times a day. Let me ask you, how many has ever seen a happy jogger? Anybody? I've never seen a happy jogger. If there is a happy jogger that I've ever seen, they're trying to show off. That's my opinion, I'm telling you. But I've never seen a happy jogger. Oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> you know what most of them look like? I'm telling the truth. But I'm told that if you get into a habit enough that's positive, before long, it won't be the discipline 
It will get inside you that you feel like, I, I have to do that today. Amen? I have to do that today. And here's what happened to Daniel. Here's what happened. He got to the place that he longed to be able to be in the place to talk to the Father. Am I desperate enough to be disciplined about my prayer life and my life of passion to God? Am I disciplined enough to give God the space? And I think as we encourage you in fasting and prayer, I think there's a good answer for that. I think and pray that all of you will leave here today and maybe you men can say to your spouse, hey, you know, I want to slip in the other room for a little while early in the morning and pray. So if you find me missing or maybe you ladies, you got a hound dog husband that loves to sleep till 9 o'clock in the morning. You know, hey, if you wake up at 9 o'clock, I'm not there. I'll be in prayer somewhere. How many know what I'm talking about? I don't, I don't need to drill down anymore. It's important. Why? Because the strength of your prayer life and the strength of your commitment to God may be the only thing that takes you through a crisis of life and death. Amen. And it may have nothing to do with you it may have everything to do with somebody else that's hanging on for dear life. And they need you to be the strong man. Y'all with me? Yeah. So when we fast and pray, we break those bondage. Let's stand together. Give the Lord a clap offering, shall we? Here we go. That's pretty feeble right there. I think much of a hand clap. Father, I uh, pray blessing over this congregation. I pray this word will seek into our hearts and find a lodging place. I pray that you would forgive us of every sin. I pray that you would create a new opportunity. And often as we say, God, turn over a new leaf, it's not talking about a tree leaf. It's talking about a book page. Turn the leaf in the page. And when we turn it, we find a blank page that we can write on what we desire. This message has been delivered. I did the best of my ability, God. Sometimes as feeble as it is, but this is your word. And your word is always right on target, always powerful, always right where it needs to be. So we receive it in the name of Jesus Christ. And in case there's some of you in the audience or someone listening online, I want to ask all of us just to pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. I ask for forgiveness. I need your help. I cannot make it by myself. I commit to you to do the things that you have trusted me with. My life is not my own. My life belongs to you, and it belongs to others. So, Father God, let me lead in such a way to those I have influence over that will cause them 
to come to Jesus and depend on Him for everything they need. Forgive me of my sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's clap the Lord one more time, would you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to sing this song if you need prayer. Well, in the first service, people came. If you need healing in your body, you don't have to put up with it anymore. You can come and God will anoint you, bring healing to you, and deliver you. I believe that. Amen? When people get hungry for God, God shows up every time. But the greatest thing that brings to pass the miracle is one act of obedience. Amen? One act of obedience and not giving up and standing strong. So as we sing this song, you come right now as God directs. Would you do that? We'll pray for you. Hang with me. Give the benediction in a moment. help us, okay? One more time. If you need to come, come now. Amen? Let's close our eyes and worship the Lord. If you're in leadership, please get down here. You are worthy of going to give the benediction, but I can't. I want to sing it one more time. There's somebody out there that God is really, you're wrestling with God right now. My friend, let God lead you and whatever's holding you back in that pew, don't discount the power of darkness that's coming against you. You need God to touch you supernaturally. And I want to encourage you let God do what he needs to do. Get out of that pew and get here right now. One more time, everybody. Going to wait on you. Here we go. Fall from you, Lord. Fall from you, Lord. 
How many of you know God has spoken to us today? You get to choose how you respond. Tonight, a very impactful message. The paths to self-control. The path to self-control. Well, let be self-controlled and plan to be here. Just plan to be here. We didn't have service here a couple weeks ago. I thought to myself, what in the world do people do? You know, all the Christmas movies and Hallmark's over, thank God. Amen. Worldwide Wrestling Federation, they're not on on Sunday night that I can tell. Hello. So, well, there's going to be a football game. <laughs> come on to church and see what God will do because you decided to come into the house of the Lord. Amen. So, Father, in your name, we trust you, we thank you, and we praise you. The greatest, best-looking people in the world are right here. Now, in the name of the Lord, speak to every heart. Do something phenomenal in the lives of this congregation, of that person, that man, that businessman, that single parent family. God, in your name, do something spectacular, and we'll praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen. I love you, everybody. Turn to somebody you like and be friendly.